This episode of Active Listeners Podcast contains some adult language and mature themes. Active Listeners has hit 500 listens, and it's all because of our audience. Thank you so much for coming along on this ride with us. And if you'd like to help us get our show to more people's ears, go ahead and rate our show on whatever platform you're listening. It really does help with algorithmic mathematic things. Thanks so much. Wake up, bum bum. Good morning, I, San Francisco. I'm telling you, every time we start this show, I want to make a full house reference. And that was the first time I did it in your welcome. Hello and welcome to Active Listeners with Mike and Shane. Each week, we will discuss our lives, our goals, and our expectations as artists, as well as discuss what it is to be an artist. Performers, visual artists, and musicians. Mike and I, we want to talk to you, and we want to talk to you about what you do, why you do it, and what that art really means to you. We'll have guests to discuss artistic expression and the all-around nature of the artist's lifestyle. And try to answer that question. Is there a de facto artist lifestyle? Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and join us in the conversation. Welcome, everyone, to Active Listeners. I'm Mike. And I am Shane. And today we are going to be speaking with author, sister, and all around amazing person, SL Perrine, otherwise known as Shannon Perrine. Also, not my sister, Mike's sister. My <laughs> sister, yes. First, Shane and I are going to get into the topic of the day. And the topic of the day is reverse art. <laughs> Reverse art. The topic of the day is uh, finding success in an artistic career path later in life. Like I said, um, reverse art. Reverse art. Yeah, because most of us, uh, we start off with the lofty art goals and aspirations and um, often have to do something else to pay the bills for at which least is, the time. Which is definitely why I'm excited to talk to your sister today because <laughs> to find that inner strength later in life like I'm only 34 <laughs> uh, but I couldn't imagine trying to dive into a completely new genre of artistic lifestyle that late in life and not just for fun but to make a living from yeah yeah and uh just because you know she's my sister she wasn't that much older than us um, when she decided to attempt to get published and ultimately succeeded. Um, but uh, she did have, you know, a life beforehand. And that's, that's something that's a little bit rarer in the, in the world of artistry. But I think that it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that if you are able to apply yourself and also um, find something that you're passionate about, that you you know you, that that is something that is an option for folks. Out yeah, there. and you know we constantly live in this fear as artists that our art won't be accepted, that there won't be a fan base, that there won't be support for what you're doing, <laughs> and 
that's just not the case. There are so many starved people out there for some form of artistic nourishment that almost any artist can find their pool of people. For sure. For sure. I think typically what you see in say like screen acting, it's usually uh, older men that, you know, age into like dad roles. Right. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, they have this, this windfall in their careers where they're just playing loads of dads, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like the first 20 years of their career is pretty lackluster. And as soon as they get that silver streak in their hair, (laughs) all of a sudden they are just the every dad. That's what I'm banking on. Honestly, dude, same. I've already spent, you know, a lot of my youth playing older. So I guess, I guess it's time for that to start to pay off. Yeah. I, for those listening at home, we are also part of Will Kemp's players. We're, we're doing some Shakespeare, doing some fun. And Mike Lake is playing an older character in that. And I got to hear some of his voice acting the other day. And <laughs> I'm telling you, once he gets that silver streak, he's going to be golden. <laughs> Yeah, uh, although although the there were there are going to be some future developments on that front. But, oh, I figured uh, you'll you'll all have to come see the show this summer to uh, to get a taste of it. I also thought uh, it was funny that you made fun of me for my old person voice when we recorded that ageism episode in the first half of our season, and I'd like to say your voice acting was similar. It was more nuanced than. <laughs> Also, it was a read through, <laughs> but no, you're right. It was, it was kind of typical, typical, right? But yeah, a lot of people that have this kind of success later in life and really in everything, right? Cause like, this isn't just an art thing. Uh, there are people out there that will, you know, work in one field for years and years and years and years and years and then decide in their forties, oh, I'm going to go to college for something. Yeah, and I guess we're putting all the all these stakes on it because we're artists and uh, our guest today is shifting into the arts. But that shift any time, not just into the arts, like you said, you know, working in that typical nine to five until you're 30, 35, 40, and you hit a point where you realize that you can't live that life anymore. So you change, you, you change who you are and how you function. You, some people go to college, some people will just learn a new set of skills themselves and barrel into a new career. It's, it's impressive. Absolutely. I can think of off the top of my head, three or four people that while I was in college were way older, you know, and studying and attempting to get into a field that was completely different than their own. It's also a testament to like modern life, right? So like, you know, the likelihood of that happening, you know, a couple hundred years ago or whenever, it's pretty slim, you know, you kind of, you kind of get into what you're into and, and then, you know, you have some kids and you die. (laughs) (laughs) But we, yeah, but we're no longer there anymore. You know, times are shifting and moving and evolving so quickly that, we don't really have the luxury to have a single career for our entire life. We can't start a job at 18 and retire at 65 and work that same job that whole time. That's not how our society is set up anymore. Yeah. I mean, outside of art, 
throughout my twenties, I've, I've had many, many, many different jobs in many different fields and even, and then within art, you know, I've done stage and then I started kind of breaking into doing film and, and, you know, web series stuff. And now I'm doing a podcast in my early thirties. So uh, it's, it's very cool that all of these options have been afforded to us. Yeah. It's not a hindrance. It's, it is a benefit. I can see how some people could see it as a negative, but all it is, is expanding who you are as a person and giving you the opportunity to learn and giving you the opportunity to grow. And how is that not just intrinsically better? And I would also like to acknowledge the privilege in this, right? Because not everyone, even though we've come leaps and bounds and, and we've been able to collectively do so much, there's still a vast section of the population, especially in what's called considered the global South that like, this is not yet an option. This is not yet a thing that they can kind of take advantage of. And, you know, this is supremely a Western culture thing um, unless someone is lucky enough to be an extreme outlier and kind of goes whole hog and, you know, makes a lot of sacrifices. You know, this is, this is something that is certainly, I would have to say like a middle-class feature, right? You know, I think part of that is access to internet as, as simple as that is and not to get too far off subject, but uh, Elon did announce his Starlink satellite internet. And sure. that sort of the point of that entire project is to make internet available where it wasn't previously available. You know, you and I recording this podcast in our privileged Western culture is something that over time should be able to be afforded to more people and more people. Sure. And, but also in just like in our own backyard, right? Like, I mean, there's there's a certain there's a certain lifestyle that that will give that will grant you the opportunity to do something like this there's a certain level of financial security that's going to give you the opportunity to do something like this one of the things that kind of gets lost in the argument between self-sufficiency and interconnected support systems is the point can't just be to get us all to a point where if we work ourselves hard enough down to the bone, you know, achieve something great, we should be lifting everyone up and, you know, reaching to give a hand. And, and I think that that's where the true understanding of our independent and our collective potential lies. So yeah, and getting back to, you know, a success in art later at life, that's also a funny, a funny thing to even say, right? Success in art. Uh, I guess commercial success would be the the appropriate terminology. Or yeah, I, I do think able- that we should start shifting this idea of success in art. It is not a financial success necessarily. It is the ability to to find yourself and be more comfortable with who you are. That is something that has gone to the wayside, and we have to reestablish value as not strictly 
a money value, but Certainly. there is, there is emotional value to the things you do and who you produce them for and how you produce them. And it's one of the reasons why I'm really excited to talk to Shannon. Absolutely. And before we talk to Shannon, if you would like to help us continue in our trajectory towards success, please uh, take some time to rate the show, tell your friends about this show, and head to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash pod, and become a patron. We're going to offer some extra, extra exclusive episodes, content. exclusive content, and we're going to have some fun with some AMAs with uh, Shane and myself bringing back some special guests that we've worked with in the past. So yeah, please do uh, give, us a, give us a rating and check out our Patreon. And without further ado, we bring you Shannon. <laughs> okay, Shane and I would both like to welcome our guest, Shannon Perrine. Shannon is a author of romantic novels, also fantasy novels, Ooh. also romantic fantasy novels. And Shannon is also my big sister. Aw, welcome to the <laughs> show, Shannon. Thank you. Uh, so uh, we always start by asking you, uh, one, what are your pronouns? What are your preferred pronouns? What do you like to uh, be referred as? And then uh, from there, we want you to share something interesting about yourself. Them, they, but for different reasons than everybody else. Okay. That's fair. And then uh, something something interesting about yourself. Something something interesting about myself, such as I learned to crochet when I was ten years old. What was the first thing you crocheted? A very very bad towel. <laughs> nice. First thing I ever crocheted was a very crooked straight line. A very I have never crocheted line. anything in my entire life. Oh, the shame. Uh, we can fix that. We can shame. fix that. We could, I mean, honestly, it'll probably happen eventually. Like, right. Like doing theater, I've, I've, and like theater production stuff, I've had to do pretty weird things that I never thought I'd have to do, but this isn't about me. It's about you. <laughs> no, it's no we're going to make this whole episode about Mike Lake and his crocheting. History. His crocheting. Yeah. It'll be his really short. The lack thereof. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we, we brought you on today for a number of reasons. The one that keeps sticking out in my mind is that you are someone who has entered into the sort of art scene mm -hmm. later in their life. It's not somewhere you started. It sounds like somewhere you finished. And people... Finished? Ooh, it sounds like she's like... Sounds like on I'm our done. way out like i'm dying <laughs> all right that's not where you finished that is your the next leg in your journey and i don't know mike i feel like mike and i as people in theater we tend to see that reversed we tend to reversed. see a lot of people who start gung-ho i'm gonna be an artist i'm gonna be on stage i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that mm -hmm. and then they end up bartending or taking a, a more mundane job so it's interesting that you took that 180. Yeah. I never really thought about it that way. Uh, I got pregnant in my senior year of high school and my main focus at that point was my kid. And from there on out, each one that popped out afterwards. <laughs> so um, I didn't do anything for the first 12 years. Uh, I was just a mom and a wife. 
and a sister, though I was working time to time, part-time jobs here and there, but I never really thought to, hey, I have all this free time at home. I should just write. The writing wasn't, wasn't my ideal. It wasn't like my goal. Writing was never my first choice. From what I remember, you were a bit of a graphic designer, kind of freelance type of stuff. Talk mm-hmm. about talk about your early uh, work in, uh, in graphic the design. creative world, because it, it was very interesting. Oh, my uh, goodness. So I was a avid watcher of the WB series, the Charmed Ones or Charmed the three witches yeah okay but anyway so what mike is referring to is a website that i actually had started i taught myself how to do the css coding oh wow and i started a website and i didn't know what to do with this website and at the time it was like okay well i'm having fun doing this you know graphic art type thing that i was teaching myself because i just bought photoshop i bought the disc and put it in my big box computer and was teaching myself how to use it. And so my first website was actually a uh, competition website for people to submit their work for coloring in charm posters or making their own charmed banners or posters or graphic, you know, it was kind of like a blending thing. You take something that existed and something else, you blend it together, you make it look like a real photograph And it's black and white. So then you have to color in it and whoever made it look, you know, either more traditionally looking or whatever the the challenge was at that time, it was like a weekly thing. So, and everybody submitted the work and I made awards and gave them out. And, but I also started doing my own graphic work at that time, making the banners and the site, you know, Yeah, I mean, you definitely didn't lose me at putting a CD in a computer. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done that in so long. I remember those AOL discs we used to get in the mail. Oh my goodness, I can't put a disc in my computer now. I'm like, oh my goodness, everything's download. That's why I got all (laughs) sidetracked for a minute. Okay, yeah. Do you have any of those uh, around anymore? I do. Oh, man. I, I have discs in my office that for some reason I won't get rid of them because I'm like, <laughs> well, what if I need this one day? <laughs> I have other computers in the house that have CD-ROMs. <laughs> so I don't know. So what was it? What was it that ultimately got you to start writing? I have to say when my first marriage ended, going through a divorce as a stay-at-home mom and ultimately starting a new relationship and just still trying to figure out how to pull my weight, you know, other than just taking care of the house and the kids. I didn't see that as a job. That was just something that was necessary. I felt like I needed to work at that point. You know, these were my kids. This man was coming in, taking care of us and these four kids. He didn't ask for them. He, you know, but he did. He stepped up and he said to me, where do you go when you space out? And, and I said, you know, I, I have like these daydreams. I've always done it all my life. And he's like, well, why don't you write them down? Turn them into stories. And I said, I always thought about doing it, but I just never did. He's like, we'll do it. So it was ultimately him who pushed me 
to write that first book. And that first book was just getting out my frustrations about arguing and, you know, all the drama over a marriage. And then eventually it turned into a romance novel. Yeah, I was going to ask how you uh, saw your work shift from when you first started, uh, which sounds like you used it as a catharsis to kind of get through some stuff. Yeah. And then through that, you were able to create a series, right? Actually, um, that first one didn't develop into a series. I wrote that in 2012. And then I think I started up again. I woke up out of a sound sleep sometime in 2012, or uh, I wrote the first one, I'm sorry, in 2010 and 11. I finished it in 2012 and published it. In 2013, 14, no, it was later on in 2012, I woke up out of sound sleep and I had had this vivid dream. And it was like 2.30 in the morning. So for some reason, I grabbed a notebook out of my nightstand drawer, jotted it all down, threw it back down into the drawer, turned the light off and went back to sleep. I woke up in the morning and reread what I wrote. I thought it was nonsense. Absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. It was written in the back of my daughter's marble, whatever notebook, composition notebook, (laughs) upside down in the back of her notebook and pencil. I'm like, okay, I'll erase it later. And I handed her her notebook and I'm like, why was it on my nightstand? Never erase, never erase. But I'm like, it was in pencil. I'll erase it later here, go to school, whatever. So I didn't see that story again until 2014. I opened it up and I was read it. And for some reason, the dream popped right back into my head as if I had just had the dream. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it how he said before, and I'm going to write it down. So I started writing that scene out. And that scene from the book that I published later on um, is the first chapter in the Beast Within series that I started. Now, I've only released three, and they've been removed from um, Amazon I think about a year ago, and I haven't put them back yet. Was that by choice? That was by choice. I removed it from my publisher, and then they closed down shortly afterwards. So, Well, because that was going to be my next question. You, you kept talking about being published and being published. I was wondering if that's something you, it was like a self-publication or if you went through a process. In the beginning, I did self-publication, and then I found a small Ooh, indie that? press. <laughs> um, actually, self-publication self-publishing wasn't horrible because I didn't put a lot of thought into it. I wrote that first book and put it out there just to be like, okay, that was just my way of healing. Somehow that was my way of therapy. I just, in order to heal from that, it was here, talk about it like this, close it up in this book, put it out there for the world to view, and then you're done the door is shut. You don't ever have to think about it again. And that's basically what I did. When I found the small indie publisher, I went with them and then I, I pulled it on my own. But being as how that's the first series that I put out there, I don't feel now looking back at the first book in the series and I only finished three of them. I don't feel the first only finished three, you know, (laughs) well, there's five of them in the series. So I've only done three of them, but I, I think the story needs to be given more attention and more development. It needs to be done differently in order for it to be better. So, but I did run at it with some edits. (laughs) 
well, not even just that because it's been ran in a couple times with edits. Uh, <laughs> I just don't like it. <laughs> no, that's fair. I don't like it how it is, how it sits. So, do you often find that being the case with your work? Do you tend no. to like it, or do you tend to not like it? I there is a process when you're writing, just like doing anything else creative. The excited process when you start it and you're absolutely in love with the idea and you love everything until you get it like down on paper and then you're like oh no this is terrible and then you gotta <laughs> fix it and break it and smush it back together until you have something that looks tangible and then you finish it and you gotta be like okay well i wait until wait until i get to the you know the little minute details at the end you know those little finishing touches and then once your idea from the beginning that you're all excited about sees the end result that's when you should judge it but we tend to judge things while we're doing it which <laughs> messes everything up so yeah I, but but generally if i were to go back and reread the other stuff that i've written i like most of it just because i'm your brother and i know things in between being just stay at home and being you know publishing you you went into nursing and did that for a while oh little brother you don't know a whole heck of a lot <laughs> <laughs> i do know that that's the last thing you were doing working in yeah the last thing i was doing was um, yep. i was a nurse yes uh at what point was it obvious to you um or wasn't it it was time for you to not do that anymore and focus the nursing on writing yeah stopping removing myself from the workforce had absolutely nothing to do with writing mm. well I can't say absolutely nothing obviously in the back of my mind there was always okay well this was always the plan anyway it just happened I think two years early I was having some health issues and mm -hmm. at the time I had put one of my patients at risk because a lapse in memory um, something that I did every day on a regular basis and I didn't want to risk anybody's life like that. So even working at a plastic surgeon's office, I didn't want to risk anybody like that. So it was definitely time for me to walk away. It's commendable. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people seldomly are capable of like being self-aware enough to even make a decision like that. So that's, that's definitely something that like, hey, you know, you knew yeah. that that's something that had to happen. Yeah. I frighted myself on being very self-aware of things. <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a feature in our family. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't cool. even talking about that. I was I just mean, talking about my children. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, children's not family. No. <laughs> great okay um do your do your children ever read the things you write are they not oh god no <laughs> god no my children are not readers <laughs> no they were born in the electronic age okay my children are <laughs> let's see mike how old are you again how old am i Ooh. I, yeah. I will be <laughs> i'll be 33 this year oh yeah that's right you are yeah. a little bit older than them Okay, so a little bit, just a little. Just a little. I mean, my oldest is twenty-two. Yeah, well, that's a lot. So yeah, we have oh, yeah. nine years between us. Yeah, there's so, nine years. Yeah, yeah. He's twenty. My youngest is seventeen, 
and whatever they read is usually fan fix on their phones i the whatsapp is real here people i don't know what to tell you <laughs> i can't get rid of it i'm trying i'm desperately trying do you ever consider reading so you ever consider like forcing them to to listen to you read it maybe like as as, as a punishment no. She wants them to like reading. <laughs> this is true. Dude, I, did want the, I, is not, I did want is them to it. like reading. Forcing them to do such things would probably not promote the. <laughs> don't you wait? Liking. Is it is it erotica? No, I don't write just and I don't write erotica. No, it's, it's romance. The, it's just romance. romance. Oh, I, okay. I am a romance and horror author. It yes. just so happens that I also write paranormal romance now i have a much better grasp of okay uh contemporary romance yeah a series out about a cut two series is out two series out about witches and so yeah witches right exactly so talk about that a little bit because that's also something that is that is something to you outside of writing (laughs) That's me outside of writing as well. Yeah. Uh, I always had an affinity for witches and the crystals and Ooh. earth and spirituality um, in a different sense than those who st- uh, practice in a church. When I was younger, uh, something Mike may not realize is I attended different religious outlets, <laughs> if you were. If you would. Um, so my stepmother was a Jehovah's Witness and I would have to go to meetings sometimes with them growing up. Uh, my mother's house uh, was what born again Christian or just mm-hmm. Christian. So mm-hmm. I went to church with them on the weekend when I was with them. So I developed a lackluster for religion in general. I was an atheist for a very long time. And then I kind of found my way to paganism and Wicca, I want to say in my early to late 20s. So it's something that I've been in tuned with. And when I started writing again, I started writing about witches because it was what I knew. And they say, do what you know. So life imitating art, art imitating life. life. Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Like nurture (laughs) versus nature. Right, right. (laughs) cannibalism was there a point in the middle of the writing because i know you've you're as of now you're kind of took all that stuff that pub that that one particular published uh series and you're re-examining it but was there ever ever a time where you thought you were just not good enough or you were done or you know you had no intention to go back if you ever stopped well i have stopped Uh, last November, not 2020, November of 2019, I started having some more health stuff come up. Um, It actually started in July, June or July. And I was finding it very difficult to sit in my office and write. And then I was finding it difficult to pay attention. Um, I had took on some more roles as a graphic artist and an editor. I was very overwhelmed, had pretty much of um, issues personally in business, and I called it quits on everything, and I've been on sabbatical since. I will go back to writing. I have every intention of going back to writing. I have series that I need to finish, and I have more stories that I need to tell. It's just right now with 
on the personal aspect and doing everything for me internally. I'm finding it difficult to write at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it can be, it can be difficult. Oftentimes artists are just expected to be able to create uh, when yep. it's just not that easy. It's just no, not that easy. You have to be in the mindset. You have to, like, I can say every morning, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do today. And I can have writing on that list. I can even go as far as sit there and contemplate a character and grab a notebook and start jotting down stuff or an idea and say, okay, well, I'm going to go in the office. I'm going to start writing or pull the laptop into my room and just chill out in there. Um, but actually getting up and moving, that seems to be where the problem lies. I figured that out. <laughs> sure. Finally. Sure. I mean, it's been a year, but I figured that out finally. I'm hoping I can figure that out soon myself. <laughs> I make myself that list in the morning and then mm -hmm. I sit down on the couch and I pull out my phone and it is the end. It, that's the end. And then that's, I just, that's it. Yeah, just it's, get sucked it's into that digital world. Yep. We'll see. My bed has like this perfect indent of my ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my back's up. <laughs> that's okay. Ass is allowed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ass is definitely allowed. <laughs> as you think about it, as you, as you uh, are on your journey to back to health and everything, are there already ways in your mind that you can foresee this part of your life being reflected in, in your writing? Probably. Yeah. More than likely. Yeah. I've always said that I, I don't watch horror and I don't read horror and I don't write horror, but I do. And um, my publisher used to make fun of me. We were actually pretty close friends. He's like, you write horror. You write horror all the time. I have stories published. And I'm like, no, I don't. So I think maybe it's time that I admit that I write horror. And actually, um, I've had this idea brewing in my head since way before I started therapy. And I think it's something that I'm going to actually I've been jotting notes down left and right here and there. And I think it's something that I'm actually going to uh, finish working on because I did start it, I think two years ago. And that's going to kind of be my jump back in. And it's going to be like, yes, I'm going to finish those, but this is where we are now because we've definitely matured and, and have grown. Uh, do you yeah. want to give us maybe like a, a sneak peek of one of those characters you've been thinking about and, and jotting down? Oh my goodness. So she's a teenager and she's gone through something very um, traumatic and um, she turns to her best friend and her boyfriend for help because her parents just don't seem to be there for her as much as she wants them to be. Like every time she tries to talk to them, they're just not there. She thought she heard them in the house or they were talking in the next room and she goes to the room and they're kind of like gone and she feels like she's going crazy because of it. So, yeah. Yeah, I just got chills up my spine just thinking about it. <laughs> yep, I'm taking a short story that I did for my old publisher and I'm expanding on it. Okay, so Shane and I... Mm -hmm. We we like to ask ridiculous questions too because Absolutely. we're ridiculous. Bring them on. What's your favorite snack? Oh, I love this question. 
wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's see. Um, I gotta open my filing cabinet. Oh, she's got secret, secret filing cabinet snacks. They're not secret. They're in there because I can lock it. That's why they're in there. <laughs> they're in there for protection. That's that's right. Four four kids. Yep. Reese's oh, and Kit Kat. Oh, yep. oh, this. It's the combo. It's the combo. Oh, the but combo I have a bag, bag of just Reese's in my bedroom. Oh, I've, I've been I've been seeing I've got, so many Reese's commercials. I've got a bunch of stuff in there. <laughs> do you ever do the ones that are like stuffed with things like the pretzels? Oh or the, God, like, no, 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 no. Purist. I am okay, a traditionalist okay. <laughs> through and through. Don't mess with what's not broken. Okay? Does that come through in your writing? I'm just <laughs> absolutely, most definitely. Stop trying to change chocolate, people. What is it with white chocolate? Oh. Can we have a serious situational talk here? If you want to get me started on white chocolate, you can, but it is one of the most infuriating topics. It's it one of, I just see red. It doesn't taste like chocolate it's at not. all. It's just and this it melts. white lard of sweet, and it's just. It's just sugar. It melts it as really quickly is. as sugar, pure right. sugar. It is not chocolate. I knew I was going to enjoy having you on today's episode, but I yes, did not so realize we were going to see so hard to heart. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, at the very least, they should just not call it chocolate. Like, there's a place for it, but there it's is a not place chocolate. for it, but it's not yeah, chocolate. In the and trash. It doesn't. It doesn't belong on my Reese's. Okay. Dark chocolate and, pe- and pieces don't belong in my Reese's. Stop. I respect it. that. I respect Stop. that. Stop. I do. I like the texture enough. though. It's the crunch. I'm liking the one with the the Twix. Are you a right a Twix or a left bar? Twix? No, I'm, I'm a, listen, <laughs> it's covered in chocolate. I will eat both. I do not discriminate. Mm-mm. I like it all. Okay. So chocolate, chocolate's chocolate, the favorite chocolate snack. Is the, yes, chocolate always. When I was little, it was a Snickers bar because my mom's favorite was a Snickers bar when I was little. So Snickers we, are the best Snickers are I will great. Defense. I never liked yeah. them when I was a kid. And then I, I got older and realized I was missing out this whole time. Yeah, whole Snickers time. are amazing. But what I didn't like was the crunch because I always had sore gums. Hence the peanut butter and, cups. Yeah, I mean, come on, there's no crunch. You can just, mm, it's just, you creamy, put it in your mouth and you can suck easy. on it until it's gone. I mean, it's can like that a be hard the title candy, of this only it's chocolate. I just it's like hard it candy, it's only it's chocolate. <laughs> just put it in your mouth and suck it till it's gone. Exactly. I think that's a little wordy for an episode title. <laughs> it might be. It might be. We've gotten wordy, but I think that one's a, just that's a little much. too long. I have to be honest, since you were so honest with me, I've not listened to any of your podcasts. <gasps> oh, that's okay. I, I guarantee you, like maybe three of our guests have actually heard. Okay, a but episode. I I've listened to about. 12 of Carly's. Oh. Well, I mean, you're dark and twisty like my wife. Is, wow, so you just threw sense. yourself in the bag. I, I know. Listen, she doesn't have a sister. She's got to have a sister to stick up for. Her. That's right. That's and it's, she's got to have a sister on her side. Once Michael's got a brother. They can yeah. be on each other's side all yeah, they I mean, want he hasn't to. Listened it's to me it and Carly. <laughs> it's me and Carly. Nevin and Mike on the same side. That's funny. I know. Sometimes. It happens sometimes. I mean, it's, yeah it's rare Some, but, sometimes you know. uh so we also like to sort of wrap up the end of our interviews with something silly something fun something that is uniquely you and in this okay. case i think that sounds like some of your writing if you'd be willing to share yes. that with us yes i do have a copy of my uh gay romance 
not to be confused <laughs> with the paranormal or the contemporary romance. <laughs> I just don't know where to go. So I guess I'm going to go at the beginning. I feel like I've read this a million times though. So, <laughs> so you have it memorized. Gotcha. It's my favorite part. The beginning of this book is my favorite part. I mean, I like the whole thing, but I don't know. I just, I had this. There's always, I always have, you know, my drawings. I was always like one part. I'm like, oh, I did that really well. I like that part. Oh, I think the same thing with like, I have some stage performances I've done. I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. the one. That's the one. I've seen a couple of yours and I don't know if I have a favorite one, but I've seen quite a few, I think. I, oh, I would yeah. be surprised Probably, if all the years yeah. we've been doing theater together. Yeah, a lot possible of years. that you haven't. You've definitely <laughs> um, seen me die on stage at least once. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna be reading from the Fast and Loud series, book one. These are standalones, they can be read by themselves, which is good because I've only got two done. <laughs> they are kind of part of a full story, they are all kind of intertwined. This is Connor's Achilles. It starts off with Connor. The sun set every night and rose every day. It was inevitable, just like it was inevitable that I'd get my heart broken once again. Every time I opened myself up, I was let down. This time would be the last. I had no intention of living this hellish nightmare all over again. I was swearing off relationships forever. That's what I told myself as I walked into the second bar this evening. The first was full of college kids on a spring break bender. Not my scene. I didn't fit in with the polo shirt and Docker's crowd. I'd already lived my experimental 20s and was was well into my frustrated 30s. When the bar finally came into view past all the grinding bodies, I sat on the edge of a bar stool and waved down the man behind the counter. He wasn't bad looking, but dark hair and brooding eyes type, the same type I had always gone for, but not this time. No, this time the only man I wanted was Jack, Jimmy, or Morgan. Three of my favorite men, which straddled the shelf behind the bar in a clean, neat line. The man stepped in front of me, blocking my line of sight of the mirror, displaying the assorted liquors, and I snapped back to reality. My mind had a way of dwelling on things when it wasn't consumed with with swimming in at least 80 proof. Kraken, neat. I don't need anything watered down. What I need is the alcohol to do its job of numbing all my pain. So when the dark-haired brewery When the dark-haired bartender set the glass in front of me, I doubted it in one gulp. Another, I said, putting the glass on the bar. Make it a double. Sure thing. He gave me the sexiest smile, all pearly white, and damned if I didn't come in my jeans when I saw the flick of silver behind them. However, this was not a drink and get laid night. This was a drink and get mindlessly drunk kind of night. My boyfriend of three years just packed up all his shit and moved out of our place while I was at work. He didn't even have the goddamn decency to text me, to send me a text, email, or leave behind a note. Now he was just another man who promised he'd never leave, but did. Even though I wanted to punch and break shit, well, being the well-mannered man I am, I just changed out of my work clothes and left. Throwing them haphazardly around the room was about as much defiance as I was willing to commit in my own home. That's what led me to my going out clothes and dived in, in the nearest dive bar. By the time sexy dark hair, as I was committed to calling him for the rest of the night, returned with the entire bottle, I was finally feeling a buzz. Noting the number of college kids in the last bar led me to believe that liquor was watered down. Not in this place. You look like you're going to have me running back and forth. So how about we just say this one is yours? He smiled with the little silver ball dangling between his teeth. Good deal. 
Thanks, man. I helped myself to the next pour and turned to sip on my drink while watching the men on the dance floor. The best thing about New York was intolerant, was intolerance of everyone but being gay had become a sport. Those who were had finally been able to come out of the closet. And those who were not were all about supporting the former. There was a gay bar in every sector of the city. And if someone thought that wasn't enough, well, they would open another one. Connor, Connor Reed. I spun around at the intrusion of my thoughts as my name was being shouted across the bar. Who the would do such a thing? I thought while quickly assessing the person rounding the stools to join me. Connor, wow, it's been a while, man. How are you? You better not be a reporter and I'm not interested anyway. Oh shit, I forgot, I'm so sorry. The dude must have just noticed the fact that I was wearing a hat and sunglasses inside the place. It's just, I haven't seen you in forever, but I'd know you if you were dressed in drag. There goes my next idea to disguise, I said to myself, but the guy heard me and started laughing. I just wanted to get him away from me. And that's when I noticed sexy dark hair make that connection in his head. And if I were in the mood for that, he'd be on the top of my list. Instead, I turned back to the guy, lowering my voice. What can I do for you? Autograph? Nah, I got one already in every yearbook you ever signed. It took me a minute to calm my nerves and really look at the guy in front of me. He was a caramel god in leather. His edge up was fresh, but his hair wasn't so short that I couldn't see how it was how it would curl when it was just a bit longer. Those curls were the bane of my existence in high school and after. So were those eyes, brown, but more like a smooth cognac with its bits of fire inside. He was somewhere over six feet like me and had a voice that could curl my toes, but I wasn't letting him know he had any effect on my body whatsoever. Is that enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. That was, man, I really enjoyed that. That was vivid, the relationship between Connor and the bartender that was that was so great I loved that that was that was very vivid like I could you could see like every little bit of it yeah unfolding like, kind of nice. as you were talking yeah it was really That's how nice. I write and you sort of like chose that theme of alcohol from the top and allowed that to influence all of your choices like throughout yeah that scene that's so cool that was that was really well done yeah I can see why that's Thank one of you. your favorites that is, that is definitely one of my favorites. The next book in the series is pretty good too. I really like that one, but this first one kind of sticks with me every time I sit down to start writing another one in the series. So um, I have a couple of them started. So do you have a website? I do. It's slperine.com. slperine.com. So mm -hmm. if you would like to check out more of Shannon's work, which I suggest you do, <laughs> head to slpreen.com and check it out now can you can you also find links to purchasing your stuff there yes yes there's a page um, with all of my books listed and their current links if they are listed for sale some of the books are no longer listed for sale the website may not I don't know when the last time I updated it was I know I haven't renewed it yet, so I don't know if it's going to stay up or come down or what. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, but... after this episode, your website is going to be inundated oh, with yeah, sure. all of our I'm viewers gonna... flooding, wanting to get the, the next book. In the hey, series, I stream so. The Sims on Twitch too right now, so don't be afraid to come check me out there. Yeah, I like give talking us your, to people. Give us your Twitch <laughs> name, please. It's just Shannon Breen. Cool. 
Great. We're gonna we're gonna put the link to the website and your Twitch name in our little bio section. Yeah, Yay. show description is where you find all that information. And thanks, sis, for yeah, coming on. Big little bro. He really is giant, isn't he? He is a giant. Yes, he is. <laughs> I actually think I started calling him that when he was like. 14 yeah maybe maybe already towered over you yeah he when as soon as he started like and he was young he was really young yeah and And you're not short no i'm not short i'm five seven yeah i am five seven (laughs) i'm definitely average height not short we'll put that in the show description as well yes not short (laughs) not short she is not short she is not Thank you, Shannon, for coming out and being a part of our podcast. And when you start to uh, write again and you get some stuff going, we'd be happy to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon, so much for coming out, talking to us, putting us in our place when we needed it, because we often need it. (laughs) And that's going to bring us to our audience participation for today. And I I think I got one. I think I got a pretty good one for today. If you, where you are currently in your professional life, were to switch careers, something were to happen, good or bad, what do you think that shifted career would be? Where would you go? What would you do? And yeah, would go it ahead. Make you happy? Would it make you happy? I think that's a valuable question. I would hope it would make you happy. I would hope you wouldn't quit doing what you're doing now for something that was going to make you miserable. Right. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook at facebook.com slash active listeners pod. And you can also catch us on Twitter at act act list pod, A C T L I S T P O D and join in the conversation. Peace. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating. And if you really like what you hear and you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash active listeners pod and become a patron. Our theme music, It's a Trap, was created by Remodel. Thanks for listening.